At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Yo, yo. What it do, baby? It's the Preachers and Sneakers podcast. After several months break, it's your boy, and we're back, baby. We're motherfreaking back. After some of the craziness that happened in the news the past couple weeks, I figured it was time to drop back into the podcast streets. And things are a little different since uh, about two weeks ago. I had a couple articles written about who I actually was as a person, and so now I'm basically having to relearn how to do this account with a different perspective with people knowing who I am as a real person now. So this is me. My name's Ben, Ben Kirby. That is, it's not Tyler Jones. That was a stupid name and I lived with it for two years and now I'm done with it forever. Ugh. And I'm very happy to be done with that. I liked my original name. The name Tyler Jones just did nothing for me, but you know, it served its purpose and we're here now. Two years later. For those that maybe didn't read the article, there was a Washington Post piece written about what I did two years ago to start the Preachers and Sneakers account, who I am as a person, all that kind of stuff. It was, you know, it, it didn't give all the details, but um, yeah, my name's Ben. I grew up in Louisiana, North Louisiana, basically the um, French Riviera of the South. And went to undergrad at University of Arkansas, rep it for the Hogs, even though there's just not much to be proud of anymore about being a Razorback fan. We had a good run there in the NCAA tournament, but our dreams were dashed by the freakish dudes over in Baylor. I guess they had more faith, the Baptists. We had more faith than Oral Roberts, the charismatic folks, but the Baptists, man, they'd either tithed enough or burned enough incense or whatever, but they destroyed us. Um, and that was disappointing to lose the tournament, but whatever. It was nice to be in the tournament. So yeah, I went to undergrad at Arkansas. I, uh, by the way, this is my first like video podcast to try. So I imagine I'll bungle this somehow, but bear with me after Arkansas. I went to the Marines. Surprisingly enough, that was probably about 50 pounds ago or so, but I was a Marine, a, a logistics officer to be specific and did a, some time in, Eastern Europe, bebopping around there, doing some logistics types type functions, doing some training of specifically, I think in Kosovo and Bosnia, I trained um, some of their military forces, which was pretty cool. Married to a girl named Stacy, and if you sing Stacy's mom song to her, she she'll lose it. 
you will have not been the first to do it, and she will not appreciate it. But I'm married to my wife, Stacy. I've got these two dogs, Gumbo and Rue, that are sitting next to me here. And we've got a our first actual human child on the way in about two weeks, five days before my book comes out. So I'm totally chill. I'm totally relaxed. I'm not panicking or freaking out whatsoever. So all the prayers and diapers appreciated if you have it in your heart or believe in that kind of thing. So yeah, we're about to have a kid uh, along with having a book at the exact same time. So that should be interesting. I'm currently in Dallas, Texas, God's country to a lot of people. But my wife and I have lived here since 2018. And that's kind of how I had the time and the ability to start the Preaching and Sneakers account because I was in my MBA program and had a little more flexibility than if I had like a regular job job. So I started the account in 2019, which was like a year into my MBA program. And now I've since graduated from the MBA program all while writing the book, Preachers and Sneakers, Authenticity in an Age of For-Profit Faith and Wannabe Celebrities. That's coming out April 27th. That's kind of my main focus right now. And um, it's it's weird to think that I got a book's worth of stuff to talk about with the account. I think a lot of people were expecting me to flame out a lot earlier than this. So I'm just grateful to still be around and to be a part of the conversation, however you see the conversation so yeah, the Washington Post did an article, Sarah Pulliam Bailey did an article about me and the account a couple weeks ago, basically saying, hey, this dude's name has actually been, he's an idiot. <laughs> and since then, I've gotten a lot of, I've had the opportunities to do media interviews and podcast interviews and the newspaper, that kind of stuff, which has been cool to talk about the book and talk about where the Preachers and Sneakers account is now, which has been fun. And part of that is, is trying to move on to the next stage of what the account is. And I'm still determining that it'll probably, probably won't know really what the next steps are until once we see what happens with the book. If the book does really well, then maybe I'll get the opportunity to write again about something else. And if it bombs, then I'll probably back on the job, job search, looking to uh, hump a cube somewhere. So if you're interested, would love for you to pre-order the book. Preachersandsneakers.com has all the links to go pre-order from whatever retailer you buy books from, even though you're probably going to buy it from that one retailer that we all use to buy books and everything else, which is great. I'm starting this new season of the podcast to kind of go through some of the chapters of the book and get into maybe some of the deeper questions that the book hits on and is way less about, hey, so-and-so is wearing a pair of $1,000 sneakers and more like, hey, there's a lot bigger issues here than just the sneakers. And so this new season of the podcast is going to be, is going to hope to achieve that. People think I know what I'm doing, but I'm really just winging it all the time. So I'm going to go through some of the chapters of the book over the next few episodes as we approach and surpass release day of the book to hopefully give you a, a snapshot into what it's kind of talking about. And one of the main themes of the book in general is this tension 
about making money off of being a quote unquote professional Christian, whether it be a pastor, a preacher, worship leader, minister, all that kind of stuff. And like the idea that you can literally get rich off doing just that. And that's one of the big themes that came up. My camera keeps shaking. My bad. See, this is like an amateur operation. If you're watching this on YouTube or wherever you watch the video, you can see me struggling with this camera mount. Amateurhour.com forward slash poverty and no experience. Anyways, one of the big themes that came up about the Preachers and Sneakers account was that this idea that in modern Christianity, you can actually get rich off of just being a pastor which for a lot of people is hard to fathom given the subject matter and given everything we know about what it means to be a spiritual leader or a a, uh, minister of the gospel. And it makes people angry. It makes people confused. I probably fall into that camp. And then other people think it's fine, think it's a result of, God's favor in their life. And there's some, there's some merit to that. I do think that it's worth asking about because at a certain point it becomes more about the money and less about the ministry. Like when you get to the point where you're the church's brand. So like if you're a pastor of one of these massive churches, people are coming to see you instead of pursuing God, pointing to Jesus trying to live for Jesus or trying to find out more about Jesus. When oftentimes people are coming to see you as the talent or the brand and in an individual circumstance or all these individual situations, it's probably fine. But at a macro level, this is happening a ton where now churches are basically multi-layered, multi-million dollar corporations that don't look much different from a for-profit corporation. I mean, right now as a pastor, if you grow your congregation in the right way, you grow your network in the right way, you end up building massive buildings, building huge staffs, taking in hundreds of millions of dollars of revenue. Like in Dallas alone, there's several churches that bring in over a hundred million dollars in donations alone. And they have no reporting requirements. They have no, oversight. They have no required transparency. They might be able to offer some transparency, but there's no required transparency. So you start to get into these discussions about, dude, when is all of this too much? Because it started as you wanting to be a church planner, help people grow in their faith, and then it turns into a well-oiled money-making machine in order to support the operations of the church, which is great, but also the improvement of the pastor leader's lifestyle and image and brand. I mean, if you grow the right kind of church and write the right kind of books, you can turn into a New York Times bestselling author You can have a show on Oprah's network. You can have a reality show. Uh, You can build immense publicity from just being a good 
pastor or preacher of the gospel. And when you get to those points, it very quickly cannot be about Jesus at all. It's about how inspiring this guy is or how how this is one of our generation's best communicators, that kind of stuff, where it's all about the human involved, which I don't know how many times we have to see dudes screw this up to to realize, oh, nobody's really worth putting up on a pedestal that much. And church should exist to point people only to Jesus and not be a hub of some guy or girl's personal brand. So that's a big piece of what I talk about in the book and get into some of the issues around that. But I also give a look into maybe some of the nuance behind how obviously we want, or most people want pastors to be compensated for what they do. It's a hard job. The demands are hard, but there's also some wisdom in portraying yourself in a certain way when you know that you, at least in a perceived way, live off the donations of others. Maybe you don't take a salary from the church, but I bet you sell your books to the church and you have unlimited access to that platform. So like, even in my own experience, like I wrote a book, got it. You raging ass hypocrite. You wrote a book. Uh, the amount of work it takes for me to like create content to market the book, to design merch, to sell the merch, to host the podcast, to host the website, to design the website, to manage my social accounts, to manage my email address or all my emails, all that kind of stuff. I have to do all myself. I don't have a team. I don't have a, uh, graphic design team. I don't have a production team. I don't have a staff of worker bees that can work, like fix my logistics for me if I need to put out a run of shirts or something. And so you can see how building all those teams and assets can really benefit you. And it's a moral, like in a vacuum, it's neither moral or immoral, but you can see how building up a big church staff can really easily benefit you. And so I just want to be the type of person to ask a question like, Hey, is that what God intended for church? Did God intend for church to be a jumping off point for a charismatic dude or girl, a good communicator to build up a staff of worker bees to give them the resources and bandwidth to write a book, to go to sell it to their 30,000 person congregation and then go to their buddies, churches, congregations, sell the book there, become a New York Times bestselling author, become a freaking world-renowned speaker, all that kind of stuff. So going back to what I was saying earlier, there's part of the book, I think that one of the chapters is called Harley Moments because I tell this super uh, harmless story about a time when I was six years old that I had a question about a pastor's uh Harley without any context out any information. It's a 25 year old story, completely harmless, but I used it to prove a point that that was the first time that I had this kind of question about like, Hey, does it matter if a pastor is living off of tithes or perceived living off of tithes? Does it matter what he spends or how he portrays himself in the public? That kind of stuff. And I think many, I know for a fact, there's thousands of other people that feel the same way. 
that see church as turning into a retail enterprise that's focused on a whole lot of extra stuff that doesn't have to do with God at all. It may have started to do deal with God or started to be, okay, I suck at words. It may have started as a genuine pursuit to want to point people to Jesus. But now that it's objectively hard to just focus on that now, now that you have buildings, staffs, 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 like a whole staff, maybe it's staff. You have all these buildings, you have all this staff, you have all these operations, and you have your personal pursuits with the book, video, podcasting, all that kind of stuff. Then your merch, church merch, all that kind of stuff. You're speaking. And then at the same time, you're also buying commercial real estate as like this pseudo Christian church commercial real estate holding firm. So now you're using church dollars to invest in real estate. And so like maybe investing is the wise thing to do, but you're not a 501 C three bro. If you're buying commercial real estate, you're taking in hundreds of millions in donations. You're making massive profits on your church merch all while using a church staff under the guise of just being a religious institution. Bro, come on. And I think at a macro level, the church has to contend with that because what it's turned into is a very representative organization of what our world looks like. And from the outside looking in to a lot of people, it just looks like we're in it for profit. It just looks like we're in it to, yeah, under the guise of being Christian, grow our name, grow our income, grow our reach and social platforms and all that kind of stuff. And it just, to me, I think God is trying to give us a wake-up call. I'm not saying he's doing it through me. I'm just saying that that's what's on my heart right now. That's what my heart is for the book is to hopefully open people's minds to the idea that, hey, church doesn't have to be this way. There might be a better way to do it. God might have intended it for a different way, and we should try to pursue that instead of just accepting the status quo of what church is now. Again, if you hate me, you're going to think I'm a hypocrite because you're going to assume that I've just been criticizing people for making money in general, when in fact, I've never done that. I've got my MBA. I like making a profit. I want others to make a profit. That's what drives innovation. That's what drives, you know, that's how we got food delivery and uh, Netflix and everything is profit driven pursuits have given us this like much easier life in a lot of circumstance or a lot of ways, but it doesn't have to be done through church. And if the focus gets away from elevating Jesus more so than anybody else, then that's a problem. And if you don't see that as a problem, I would encourage you to take a second and just look at the landscape of what it means to go to church now. All the dollar signs that go into making church happen just on Sundays, not the rest of the days of the week, just on Sundays, the band, the screens, the smoke machines, the massive soundboards, 
the expensive guitars, the, the expensive in-ear monitors and Nord keyboards and drum sets, the staff that it requires to plan for that and execute it. Sure, we use volunteers on Sundays. The coffee shop, the video production, the projectors, the air condition to just air condition the place. Like, believe me, I mean, I'm a big fan of air conditioning. I'm just saying there's a lot of dollar signs that go into making church happen. And I think it's worth taking a look back and seeing how much of this stuff is actually worth the money. Is the ROI on pointing people to Jesus commensurate with the amount we're spending to do church every week? Maybe. But if you've just never thought of that and have just accepted how we do church as the, if we've, you've just accepted the status quo as fact, I think that's being intellectually lazy. I think that's uh, doing a disservice to the flourishing of God's church to say, you know what? I'm going to let these guys dictate how we do it and I'm just going to go with it. Come on, man. Like the church is comprised, the real church is comprised of God's people or people that are looking to find God. So you have a say in these things, especially if you're part of a community where you tithe and you're involved with, you know, smaller community groups and you serve at that church, you absolutely have a responsibility for the flourishing of that church. Don't just accept it as a status quo, but if it's, if it's working great, but if you've never asked the question or if you've never cared about it, I think you're doing a disservice. So first cup, the first real chapter of the book is about does, what does it mean to get rich off God? Is it okay to get rich off of God? And I think it'll lead to some helpful discussion for you and your community, if you're willing to have it, if you don't want to have it, that's fine. But I don't think the book, or I don't think that chapter will be for you then, because it goes into kind of the insane dollar signs that go in to church operations right now. Even just like the high six figure salaries going into seven figure compensation of, of some pastors is out of this world. And, you know, the response, and I get into it in the book, the response is like, well, they could be making triple this in the marketplace because they're such a great leader or they're uh, so charismatic or so dynamic, all that kind of stuff. But my question to that is, why does the church have to reflect the marketplace's level of compensation or level of anything? We're supposed to be set apart, yet we're dictating pastor compensation, board compensation, everything based off what the marketplace is saying. That's just, that's like counter to the whole point. Again, I want pastors to be compensated. I want people to be paid generously for their work. But I think that we have now developed a very nice self-licking ice cream cone for a lot of these guys where they can build real wealth without taxes. They, they might pay income taxes, but the church doesn't pay any taxes, doesn't have any reporting requirements, doesn't have any oversight, and is basically left to their own decision about what they want to share with the people. It, it, it at least makes it a very ample opportunity to 
misuse some funds to jack up some, it'd be very easy to be a negative actor if you want it to be. I'm not saying anyone is, but there has been plenty of examples throughout history where they've done just that. And we still continue to just build up the church. I'll just say economy, the church economy to the point where it's even, it's, it's even more about the money now. Across the board, if you go to a mega church, it's even more about the money. And I, I was on Bad Christian Podcast earlier this week, and they made a point that I hadn't really considered much. But the mega church, like they, they made up a good point because it's like each year these churches report their membership numbers, and it's usually about the same after it gets to a certain point because there's so much churn. Once you get to a certain level, it's really hard to stay engaged with all the members of your church. And so there's inevitably a bunch of churn. And then they also passively probably recruit people from all the smaller churches around town. And those churches, those small churches die. And now you're left with the only option of going to some type of mega church. That's not completely the case right now, but it's heading that way. And I thought that was an interesting point where it's like a mega church could be mega because it, it grew out of, serving the community well, doing things well, teaching the word well, or it could also be growing like Jonathan Pacluda told me, cancer grows too. And I, he might've stolen that too. But the church now is more about money than it ever has been before. And I want people to at least ask the question of their individual churches like, hey, are we doing all this to focus on glorifying God, pointing people to him, or have we gotten to the point where we care way too much about the production, about writing catchy worship songs that get CCLI licensing income each month for our church? Do we care too much about investing in commercial real estate? Do we care too much about our pastor getting to go to the whoop de doo Hillsong conference panel and getting invited to all these conferences and speak and then grow his brand, all that kind of stuff? You should care about that, I think. And if you read the book, there's some helpful guides in wrestling with those things, uh, some helpful questions, some helpful context too. And I think it does a good job of, of being generous on both sides. It's not completely biased, but it also doesn't have all the answers either. Like if I had all the answers, I would go implement this and our churches would be perfect, but they're not. And then, you know, in a lot of ways I'm an idiot. And so for whatever reason, God has put on my heart, some of these questions and I'm encouraging others to wrestle with those things because I think he's in the process of refining his church and getting people to focus on what actually matters. Corona did part of that. I'm not saying Corona was a good thing, but I think it could be used where Corona had stripped away so much of what we had focused on in terms of in-person church production, all that kind of stuff, but we still have a long way to go. So that's, where am I at? I mean, like 30 minutes. I'm not trying to do the hour and a half thing. Nobody has the time to do that anymore because nobody's commuting to work. Maybe some people are starting to commute to work, but this is uh, going to be episode one of the new season of the Preachers and Sneakers podcast for the release of my book, Preachers and Sneakers, Authenticity in, age, in an Age of For-Profit Faith and Wannabe Celebrities. It releases April 27th. I would love it if you pre-ordered now. If you don't want to pre-order, Feel free to order on April 27th and get your hands on the book. I'm going to be doing some giveaways, some IG lives, some other kind of content to 
not only promote the book, but also to get more interesting people in your face and commenting on some of these things. I think it'll be fun. I uh, appreciate everybody's support. I mean, most of you, most of you, most of y'all support some of y'all did not support, which is fine, but also telling about maybe your own personal problems. I appreciate the support. I, I appreciate the feedback for sure. And hope that if you're still pissed knowing who I am as a person and knowing what my heart is and my mission is, then so be it, bro. Like we don't have to be friends, but I would, I would challenge you to at least take a second and try to think about some of the deeper things here and not just the sneakers or even the comment section or anything. I think it would do you well. I know I have to, I know I have to repent of plenty of thing, plenty of things and slow down and think about some of the things that I get pissed about. So uh, I would encourage you to do that. And if you're still pissed at me, fine, whatever, you know, I'm gonna still do me. I, I think it's indicative of a deeper issue though. If I can just point at some pretty obvious things and you get pissed about it. I think it's an important discussion. I know a lot of other people think it's an important discussion, and I think it's part of the refining process that God's putting us through. So, again, my name's Ben. This is the Preachers and Sneakers podcast. This is special season. What are we going to call it? Oh, i got to come up with a catchier name. But this is episode one of the limited season for the release of the book. I appreciate you joining me. I appreciate you spending all this time with me. If you've subscribed to the podcast, really appreciate you doing that. If you're watching this on YouTube, be sure to hit subscribe and the notification bell so you can know when I'm posting new videos. These should be coming out every week or every other week. So be on the lookout for those. Check out the Instagram account at Preachers and Sneakers. Check out my website, PreachersAndSneakers.com for all the type of content that I'm working on, the book especially. And yeah, I hope that the podcast is helpful. If you've got questions, email me info at preachersandseekers.com or send me a message on Insta. I'll try to get back to you when I can. If you're typing out a super long message right now to rebuke me, I've probably already considered that criticism. I've already heard that criticism. So maybe save it. If you want to have a discussion, feel free again. Thank you for everybody that's tuned into the pod. It's spent all this time with me. Uh, I hope you have a great week. I hope you had a good Easter and be sure to pre-order the book preachersandseekers.com for all the info. Peace.
At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.